Welcome to Slow and Steady, the podcast where you get to follow along as we build products in public. Each week, we'll give you an honest peek into our lives as we share our struggles, our wins, and everything in between. I'm Benedict, and I'm feeling productive. I'm Brian. Today is October 12th, and I'm feeling hopeful. And I'm Benedicta, and this is episode number 111, and I'm feeling super inspired because with us today, we have special guest Brian Cassell, who has sold more businesses than most of us has ever started. Most recently, he sold AudienOps, a done-for-you content service. He's also the man behind the course I regret I did not sign up for seven years ago, Productize. So how are you feeling today then, Brian? And what is your current focus? Uh, yeah, thank you for having me, uh, y'all. Uh, let's see, my uh, how am I feeling today? I'm feeling jittery right now. Jittery? Because <laughs> I'm about uh, cups an of hour coffee. after having my, my coffee, my morning yeah. coffee, so getting that, that energy going. <laughs> cool. Yeah, so you're located in the States then, I guess, since it's morning. I probably should yes. know this, but... Yeah, I'm on the East Coast. It's it's 10 a.m. for me. So this is uh, this is my favorite time of, of, of the day uh, to get work done, to do stuff. Um, Hopefully also to record a podcast. We're exactly. like messing up your productivity time, your focus time. Well, this would have been perfect. My my kids are at school. My, my wife is out. Uh, so I would have had like a perfectly quiet house, except they're, of course, they're banging away on, on the bathroom that we're remodeling right now. So... Uh, hopefully that won't be too bad. <laughs> no, it's just it's slightly in the background. Um, so I mentioned some of the things you've done. You've done so much more, but what is your current focus? Uh, Zip message is uh, that that's a SaaS product. Um, I'm really uh, trying to to focus all of my effort and time and hours and resources on on that. Um, so it's been uh, yeah. Zip message is a is a SaaS tool for uh, asynchronous. Uh, conversations with your team members, with your customers, with your clients, with other freelancers. That's that's what makes it really um, different, I think, is uh, that ability to uh, basically just send anybody a link and then you can just hop right into an asynchronous conversation. Uh, they don't need to download or install anything. And, and even if, you know, they, they don't even need to necessarily register for anything. You could record your messages right into the browser and share a link with anyone. So that's mm -hmm. that's what I've been working on. And um, uh, as you said, I, I just exited uh, audience ops last month. Um, so that's that's kind of removed from, from the picture. Um, you mentioned that the productized course. I mean, that was something that I launched years ago and it's still still around, uh, but it has sort of faded into the into the background, kind of nearing uh, nearing its end of life, I think, <laughs> at some point. But um, uh, I still yeah, regret it, though. It's like I saw it again now, and I'm like, why didn't I do that? And I was looking at it seven years ago. I was like, oh, but it's too much, too big of an investment. And now I like laugh at myself. Like that was would not have been a too big of an investment. Well, I always do a, a Black Friday sale on it, and that's coming up, you know, next month. And uh, I think I think I might do like one final Black Friday thing to oh. make it low price. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so somebody is joining. This is this is the last time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we'll be sure to um, link to it then in the um, uh, in the description. But what did cool. you do? Uh, so we usually do like a little summary of what we've done. Is that, have you done anything specific on uh, SIP message this week? Uh, actually, just today, uh, just this morning, we launched a new feature um, for tags and filtering on your conversations. So mm -hmm. 
So now like when you have a lot of conversations in your, in your account, which, you know, they do accumulate over time. Um, now you can apply tags to them for better organization. And then now that you have tags, we gave you a way to like filter your, your long list of conversations by tag or by who, who was in the conversations with you. Um, and if you have multiple accounts, you can filter by that as well. So, uh, yeah, happy to, that, that was one of those features that I think makes it better, a lot better for users. We've had that request, but like, I really wanted that for my zip message account. So it's a lot easier. How, how long has it been, how long has it been open to, to other users? Like how long have you been accepting? Um, yeah. So the, the first, uh, users and customers started in April of this year, I believe. So just a couple of months ago, like half a year ago. And, um, uh, up until I forgot when it was like, I think in August up, up until August, it was still in like invite only mode. I was, I was just inviting the early access list every month. And then in, in August, I opened it up to anybody to, uh, to sign up. Right on. What made you decide yeah, well, uh, video, but like the, the sun is like bouncing off my desk right now. <laughs> no, 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 it's all, it's all good. I want to, I want to really dig in and, and Benedict has got some awesome questions queued up R- real quick. Let's, uh, yeah, let's just go around the horn and, and follow up on like what Brian's been focused on. Benedicta, what's, what was your focus this week? What have you been knocking Is that out? me? Is the, the, the Benedicta? Oh yeah. Queen Ray. Yeah. Sorry. Queen Ray. Queen Ray. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was actually. So we've got two Benedicts and two Bryans. And two Bryans, yes. I mean, if you want to be a guest on our show, you gotta gotta be a B name. Yep. And I mean, Benedict Benedicta. I mean, Benedicta Ray. Like she just got them. Got them both. I was telling. I was telling. Telling them before. uh, Before we started recording, uh, that I told my daughter that we've got a uh, we've got a guest, and and she was like, "Oh my gosh, is is." Is is their name Dyka? Like Benedict's <laughs> last name. I was like, well, no, it's Brian. She's like, you get amazing. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Yeah, no, so, so I was on vacation last week, uh, which was quite fun. We rented a van that is converted into like a living van. So channeling a little bit of Brian on our vacation. <laughs> and it started pouring da- down the day we left and it stopped raining the day we came back. And it was like flood warnings <laughs> in Southern Norway. And it's it's the most rain we've had this year, I think. But we did wow. enjoy ourselves. We went to like a swim, like a swim park, like with, you know, slides and stuff like that. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and I didn't win the jammy that everybody had to vote for, but um, I'm okay. Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Congrats on being nominated. Thank you. Um, and now, like, my focus is definitely on trying to get these sales pages and sales going for my November um, Gatsby Function boot camps. So that's like my focus for this week. Cool, cool. Benedict? Yeah, so for me, I, as I said, I'm feeling productive. I spent most of last week um, working on batch operations for user lists. So um, stuff that you can do on all users. Uh, first being uh, importing CSV lists. So uh, once we launch a marketing feature, we want people to easily migrate from whatever tool they're using. Um, so I've been working on a CSV import. Um, and I have to say, I love uh, Sidekick, the, the queuing system we, we're using, uh, because it comes with a nice uh, batch management thing, and it just works 
great. Like it's it was a breeze to build this. Um, uh, and now I'm just polishing the UI a little bit because we need like some field mapping and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it's been a fun fun exercise um, and hope hope to wrap it up this week. Um, I always wonder how much time it took it took the creators of Sidekick to make that that text thing in the terminal when you started up, like the, the guy doing the Sidekick. <laughs> yeah. that's a good question um i think there are online tools for that but i'm not, not uh, yeah. <laughs> of course um but um yeah so that's the thing i've been working on this week i will probably have to work a little bit on performance stuff again um we are again having problems with counting stuff so um yeah some not so fun stuff coming up uh but that's that's about it. What about you? Right on. I, Brian. let's see. Yeah, so I'm I'm uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Ray. Wait. No. Brian, um, Ryan, what? What? <laughs> I <laughs> I'm t- I'm talking to uh, a couple of uh, contractors just about like a few hours of dev support for jtbd.app. And so to make that a little bit simpler, um, I started adding a little bit of test coverage and done some fixtures in there like i haven't had you know i've not been doing it the <laughs> the tdd way uh at all up to this point and and so i want to want to get some of those things uh in there can, made made some really strong progress on that yeah can, can we go technical for a second here sure. i mean yeah sure of course do you, do you i mean do you guys you're much more experienced uh in, in uh development and and rails than i am tdd are, are you guys like really adhering to that like as as a process like writing tests first i or? am not i <laughs> i fully fully appreciate the value of it um that is not my first foot forward and i think sometimes to my detriment benedict <laughs> Uh, me, <laughs> me. I, I don't know. So I I don't follow it to be honest. Um, mostly because it doesn't work for me. In that I usually like it works great when you know what you're going to build exactly because then you can write a test for it and then you know right. how it's going to turn out. But okay. most of the time, when I'm starting on working on something new. I'm not entirely sure what we what we're going after. Mm-hmm. So usually my process is just play around, make a mess, uh figure out what you're going to do and how you're going to do it, and once I've got that part in place, I start writing tests and then it's like a back and forth and yeah, getting tests in place and then changing the code, cleaning up the code afterwards basically. Yeah. That makes me feel a lot better because it, <laughs> I mean, I've just always done it backwards and I felt like that, that mm. feels more natural. We, you know, I, I really love, uh, having test coverage on everything and we do, uh, write tests for basically everything that we build, but it's always after it's, it's always, I, we don't even really go back and forth that much. We basically, uh, scope the feature, build the feature. And then as like the, the last step write the tests, mm-hmm. run the test suite, fix the issues, and then mm-hmm. and then yeah. ship it. 
Who, who what about you, Benedicta? Right? Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. Oh, yes, uh, Benedicta. No, so th- it depends a little bit on the on the project, but a, a lot of stuff. Like if I know that UI, for instance, is going to change a lot, I don't write any tests for that. I will just like test it manually. I'm pretty good at breaking stuff manually. <laughs> but it's like a superpower. <laughs> well, well, um, that's the other thing about it is is the UI. I mean, we we might know exactly what we're going to scope into the into the feature, like what we're going to build, but. Ultimately, the UI might change, like classes, DOM, and stuff might, might change. So, and, and almost all of our tests are like, you know, feature tests, you know, in- integration tests. So, like, we don't know which, what the UI is going to be. So, how can we write tests for that up front, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, no, so I also, so I do a little bit of the Benedict approach, I would say. Like, I, I mess, mess it up, try to, like, or make it work. And then if there's something that is really important that needs to keep working, I will write a test for that. So for POW, my my SAS, there are only really tests for the analytics part of how like I analyze the menstrual cycle. And that is mostly because that is brute force, because I have not come up with a very great way of doing that yet. So I just needed to have a lot of tests in place to be sure that what I am attempting to do works. Um, but I... But then when I've done that, like now, whenever and if I ever get a bug, like that's when I write a test on it. So if I find a bug or somebody reports a bug, I write a test to kind of smoke out that bug and then fix it so that it won't come back. That's kind of my approach in the beginning. Yeah. When I was a young, young consultant, the um, one of the mentors at the company I worked for was actually Kent Beck, who is like the guy behind test development. And in that, yeah, and in that <laughs> period, he actually realized himself because he was starting to work in more like startup land. And he did a talk about how TDD doesn't work for the first um, yep. versions of a product because things are so uncertain. So he was saying something like when you're getting the plane like off the runway, that's not when you do TDD. It's when like the plane is in the air or something was his metaphor. I'll see if I can find that talk yeah I th- like, I, was, so I, f- I feel like i feel like he has blessed our choices since we're still <laughs> all of us in like you know getting product off the yeah off the runway. i mean i think that's the common thread of what everybody is this is one of those examples where for a a bootstrapped tiny team to try to follow the best practices of an enterprise development team is lunacy so yeah um yeah brian you kept saying we there as you were given your answers like we do this, da 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 da. What? Who? Who is we right now? Like, what's the structure of your the people who are helping you to build Zip Message? Yeah, it's really small. It's just, right now. It's just me and one full time developer, um, and uh, and and we. I I love that uh, how how small we are right now because um, we ship really fast. I think, um, and I I'm in the product every day, so I build roughly half of the stuff and and he builds the 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 other well probably more than half because i i mean i i i really handle almost all of the front end stuff the design the the ui i do build uh full stack features that are simpler like crud stuff but then anything super complex i i hand off to him he's he's more of like the back end guy and and we've got a really good rhythm of um you know specking out features building them, testing them, shipping them. So it's been fun. Uh, I mean, like, right. So that's that it's basically me and him every day. And then, um, right now I'm sort of going through 
like an exploration process of hiring a couple of other people um, on more of the marketing side. And, and I've worked with a few different marketing people over the last couple of months to a year, but um, nobody steady long-term. And so right now I'm, I'm, I'm starting to work on a, a few different things on the marketing front. So I'm, I'm looking for help to execute a lot of this stuff. Um, so one part of it is, is, a, is a website redesign. Usually I design everything there too, like the current site I, I designed and everything, but I think I, this time around I might look for a, like a really strong visual designer um, to, to make like for, a on contract, like a one-off sort of engagement or probably you, do you a mean contract like a, freelancer um, to work, to, to sort of collaborate with for, I don't know, a month or two. Um, and then there, there might be more stuff after that, but the main need right now is to, is to redesign the website and get the message and change up the messaging and positioning and use cases and all that. Um, but I would really like a, a, a super impressive visual design. And I think I'm pretty good with like layout, uh, but I'm not like a really strong visual, uh, make like an, a really good first impression website designer. So um, looking for someone for that. And then I'm also looking for like a content uh, writer slash SEO person slash email marketer, Twitter writer, like <laughs> someone to <laughs> someone to do all those little marketing things that that sort of revolve around writing and social media and sending content out and and, um, you know, cause I, I can't really keep that engine turning myself every day. So kind of looking for someone there too. So you're not a customer of audience ups. <laughs> well, I, I don't, uh, I don't own the business anymore. Um, so I don't necessarily have the team like at my disposal to, to, no, uh, to no, write stuff. You're not, you're not um, a customer at the, yeah, not at the <laughs> moment. Um, like, you know, the, the thing with audience ops is that it's, it's sort of a very, it's a productized service. So you have like a, a set, uh, rhythm of, of deliverables. Basically you get articles every week. Um, mm -hmm. and that alone is not necessarily the thing I'm going, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm much more doing lots of things and experimenting and, and just looking for someone to work directly with to like, uh, uh, kind of execute all, all those little marketing tasks. So um, are these people then joining you as owners or are you employing them or what is like your, your strategy yeah, usually there? I, um, usually I hire contractors, uh, um, usually all over the world. I mean, my developer is in India um, and uh, I work with other people, marketers, other designers, developers in, in the US, in, in Europe and Canada, like that, that has never really mattered to me. I, I love remote. I love asynchronous. Um, I'm really efficient that way working with folks. Um, so usually it's a contract thing, uh, for, for either a project or, um, or like an ongoing freelance part-time retainer. I've, I've done that quite a bit with marketing folks where we sort of just agree to some ideally like a, like a flat monthly fee, monthly retainer. And, and we and we're sort of like a little flexible about it to just say like this is going to cover roughly two days of work a week on my stuff and they're, they're, they'll have other stuff going on but i usually don't need somebody like 40 hours a week um developers is a little bit different because i i do need my developer 40 hours but um yeah like marketing stuff usually is is a little bit more flexible yeah cool 
do any of you other have any questions about hiring? Because I know <laughs> Brian has been looking for some uh, help. So do you have any questions? No, I mean, no, not not anything specific. I think it's just it is um, what's the word like, I guess, encouraging, affirming to hear like how how you are going about it. Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, back in in audience ops and continuing through this day under the new owner, um, that has been the model is contractors, long term, steady, part time contractors. I mean, we, we it, it had a team of 25 people and they were all on some some of them stayed on in that capacity for like five or six years and continuing, um, you know, just a steady, like solid, whatever, 20 hours a week on average. Um, a lot of them are like stay at home parents. A lot of them are freelancers. They've got these gigs that come and go, but they want sort of like a steady rock in their week. An anchor client. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, you know, really good quality work and, and, and a fun team to, to work with on Slack and stuff. And um, that that's always the, the model that I tend to start with until things grow and, and you know, maybe it makes sense to go full time. Hmm. Did you did you ever share the like the numbers behind that? You don't have to share it, obviously, but like the uh, audience kind ops? of what sort of. Yeah. Like what sort of margins a, a, a founder should be looking for if they're you know, spending well, that was a, uh, per week. And- yeah, Audience Ops was a productized service. I've, I've never really been super public about um, the MRR numbers. But, okay, you cool. know, it, right. it got into like the, you know, mid upper five figures. Um, and uh, I, I did publish that I, I sold the business for, for high six figures. Um, and um, uh, yeah, it was a team of 25 and yeah, I mean, it, it was profitable. It, it, it funded my time uh, mainly, and, uh, and and it was a a good, sustainable like for me, a, a good, sustainable cash flow business. Uh, but after it, it almost got up to like seven years of me running it, so I was sort of ready to to move on and really focus on software, which which I've been doing because that that's the thing is like the last three or four years of running audience ops, like I haven't actually been working in audience ops. <laughs> like um, <laughs> you've been a true I, owner. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I touched that business like two hours a month or so in in like five minute bursts. Um, Amazing questions <laughs> coming to my inbox and so things like that. And, impressive. And um, it really is. And, and like even even hiring, like the team handled hiring new writers and stuff like that. And I would just sort of like make the final call on bringing someone on and stuff like that. And and um, not to say things didn't break. I mean, usually when things hit my inbox, it's because something something went wrong. <laughs> Bad, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, and, and I think also for that reason, it was sort of like a good in a good place to be able to exit and and still it's still doing well, it's still growing. So I, it was in a good spot to to be able to hand off to someone else to keep growing it. Um, and, and and ultimately, that was also like I I didn't feel. I, I part of me didn't feel right about holding a business in that way because I'm not giving the team my attention and all of my resources and an effort into growing the business. I'm putting that effort into zip message. So, um, you know, it, it wasn't, I, I, I always felt like it, it wasn't that fair to the team and I wanted to find, a, a, an outcome where, where they will continue to grow and, and, and have really good opportunities. So, yeah. 
So on that note, um, I've always been very impressed about how you've been able to sell most of your projects. I think first time I landed on your like personal site, I was like, wow, all these projects got sold and not just like withered away and like archived <laughs> like some of us do. Um, so I'm just wondering how your first sale came about. Well, I definitely have some projects that have just withered away <laughs> sat, yeah, but like, in my portfolio with zero revenue. You've sure. sold quite a few. Like, yeah, a couple. Um, uh, so, so, so like so far I have, um, sold a few for, for just a couple thousand dollars, um, a couple, uh, for like low six figures and audience ops so far for me is, is, is the biggest one. Um, and, um, and I still have a couple of like hanging around in, in my portfolio, uh, that I might be looking to sell off to <laughs> soon. <laughs> um, but, um, the, so back in 2015 i sold restaurant engine that was like a low six figure exit uh and i that was in 2015 and, and i worked with fe international to sell that so they were the broker on that business um and it, they were wonderful to work with uh thomas and, and the team at fei are, are really great i i definitely recommend them if, if you want to go the broker route for sure um more more recently with audience ops it ended up selling to JD Grafham and, and JD has been a friend of mine. I, I've known him. So he was one of the people that I personally reached out to about audience ops. But, but I, as I described on bootstrapped web, um, I did also put audience ops up on micro acquire at the same time. Uh, micro acquire is like a newer marketplace for buying and selling, uh, mostly SaaS apps, but they do have other businesses on there. So I, so I put audience ops up in like the agencies category. Um, so I had some, some good conversations and, and one really good offer from, from micro acquire actually, but, um, I ended up going with JD. Um, uh, let's see what else. But you remember like how you thought, like the first time you thought, like, I don't want to do, I don't want to work on this project anymore or like, or a realizing like th the first thing you sold, like, how did you think like, oh, I can sell this instead of just shutting it down? Um, yeah, I mean, the first real exit that I had was Restaurant Engine back in 2015. And that was that was a, a like a SaaS slash service that I bootstrapped uh, from like 2012 to, to 2015. And it was a website builder for restaurants. Um, the main reason I, I decided to sell that was just because I, I mean, it wasn't growing uh, crazy, but it, but it was also like, I don't, I don't love selling to restaurants. <laughs> like I don't, I don't have uh, a connection to restaurants. I don't want to fly myself out to the restaurant industry conference. I don't want to do things like that. So, um, it was really a, a learning experience that whole business. I mean, every business is, is, but especially that one. Um, yeah, I made some money with it, but it, it was, I, I completely went from being a freelance designer to, learning how to build like a SaaS business for, for a specific market. That was, and I really cut my teeth on, on that business. Um, I forgot how I might've been talking to Rob Walling, um, who introduced me to Thomas, um, Smell, uh, founder of FEI. And that was sort of, uh, the, the, the go-to way to, to sell a business. Um, and uh and they guided that process and then the the process of selling that was a very big learning experience um 
and then I and then I went through it again with with audience ops. And it's it's not easy. Like you know, people look at these exits like um, like oh, it's a big big win at the end, big congratulations, like hurrah, you know. But it's uh, in, in my experience, I didn't. I hate it. I I don't like it. I, I like the outcome, <laughs> but the process to me sucks. Like I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Like it's just it, it is not fun. Um, I I just you know even. I, I said to some friends while while I was going through it recently with audience apps, like even when the buyer is great, even when the deal is actually staying on the tracks and it's going well, it's still terrible for me. <laughs> like, um, in, it's, for, why? Like in, in what way? It's just really stressful. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, and there's multiple stages. So, so first it's negotiation before, just just around the offer, like what is the offer? What are going to be the broad strokes terms of the offer? And then and then you do a letter of intent and an LOI. Um, but then then from there, you get into due diligence, and they're literally opening up everything about the business. They're looking at my bank statements. They're looking at the operations. They're looking at everything, um, and it's weeks of that. And um, and and then and then it's sort of a negotiation into like what you want to show and what you don't want to show uh, because the deal is not uh, final yet. It's, it, it's not even sure, a sure thing that it will complete. So, you know, you don't necessarily want to share things that like, what if the, the deal doesn't complete, you know? Um, so, so there's a lot of that. And then you get into contract negotiations. So, so lawyers are, are getting involved and then they, they do their sparring over every little word in the, in the contract. And, and you know we like to build stuff and ship products and talk to customers and, th- yeah. and that this is not that this is yeah <laughs> you know so it's 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 a combination of like talking to your accountant every day talking to lawyers every day getting into all this technical uh uh process um government regulations like 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 bank transfers Sounds like, like doing a, your taxes every single day for a couple of months basically yeah. that yep. <laughs> yep okay over to something oh, completely different <laughs> yeah. then what has been your most fun um business or project to date i guess it's always the one you're currently working on right like zip message is, is pretty fun right now <laughs> um um yeah i mean i you know right now and for the last few years i'm I'm all in on designing and building software products. And um, I've I've wanted to do software for a long time. I have been doing software for a long time. I, I come from a background as a front-end uh, web designer, developer, and then recent years learned uh, Ruby on Rails and went went full stack with it. But I, you know, people know me as like the productized service guy. I built audience ops and talked about productized service. But for me, that was always sort of like a crutch to like, have a business that can that can that can run predictably while I go try to build some software products. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I've been you know I've been hacking on different software products over the years for for many years and and so now now that I'm really doing that, um, at, and and the fact that I I can build full stack means that I can collaborate with a developer at a much higher level than I used to. So so that's right. a lot of fun, um, and I just love the process. Um, yeah. Zip, zip message zip message seems I seems like Loom, but better. I I love Loom. I love using it as like a yeah. primary touch point. 
um, you have added the ability to have an asynchronous conversation through that that sort of experience. Was seeing how well Loom worked like part of the the seed yeah. for this, or like what where where did it come about? Yeah, definitely Loom. I mean, I, I've been a longtime Loom user, although I did recently cancel my Loom subscription. I, guess I, <laughs> yeah, them. I think I'm going to cancel mine. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, that was definitely one of the factors that led me into ZipMessage was just observing that market. This yeah. isn't the, the, the one, the, the only reason I got into it, but one of, one of the factors is identifying a market where, where there is clear growing activity and interest and and not overwhelmingly competitive um not to say i mean loom loom is you know they're 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 a huge sure. <laughs> uh sure. product and, and organization so um not not looking to you know necessarily compete with them directly um but mm-hmm. but they're they're definitely they're they're sort of like the elephant in the room in in this space of like video messaging um yeah. Like the the market for remote workers trying to find a way yeah. to, to communicate asynchronously with high fidelity. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. The, and, and the big That's not going anywhere. Well, the big difference for me is, is that, you know, I, I have been a Loom user for, for a long time and I was doing customer support for, for uh, Process Kit, another one of my products. And I would always want to send a link to my customer to ask them to record their screen for me. And then, and then we can go back and forth. And you can't really do that with Loom. You could say like, hey, can you sign up for this tool called Loom and install it and, and start to use it and then record like, or yeah. record a video on QuickTime and put it in a Dropbox link for me or so, something crazy like that. Clunky, um, yeah. That was, the idea, that was the original idea for ZipMessage was be able to do customer support with it. But, but then what, what ended up happening was, yeah, some people use it for that, but more people use it for asynchronous conversations. Um, that became the thing, like seeing a threaded conversation back and forth, videos, screens, uh, camera, text attachments, all of that in a threaded conversation. That is also not usually how Loom is is used. Loom does have like a reply feature, but I don't think anybody really uses it. And, and, and it requires both ends to be loom users right with and and the whole idea with with zip message is like it, it should be frictionless to send a link to like your client or to a freelancer that you're working with or somebody that you might hire or your team and and then just have uh i mean i have async conversations on zip message that last like a month we just go back and forth like 20 times you know um and it's just it's i i think it's a really great way to uh to communicate so since we're on sip message we're also like is there you you asked us about tdd is there anything else you would like to get input on kind of like i don't know mastermind style since we're all here yeah um oh man i mean we can be here all day (laughs) (laughs) um you know what I'm having? I'm, I'm curious to hear from you all and, and anybody listening, to be honest. Um, uh, I discussed earlier how I like to work with contractors, right? And especially when you're, I, in my experience, when you're hiring a freelancer, um, there's a lot of freelancers who sort of act like agencies in that 
when a client comes to them, they come to the freelancer to do everything, to do the whole thing. Like, hey, I need a website redesign. I want you, I want to hire you to just do it all, lead it all, create it, show it to me. I'll give you my my feedback, but you do it. You build it. And I'm not necessarily looking to work like that, but I am looking to work with someone. Like I, I want a more collaborative, um, it, it, you know, because like I'm a solo founder. Like, like I'm always jealous of, of you know, Benedict, like you and Jane, like, you, you know, you, you have a, a core partners team where you guys can like really hold up like two ends of the business, you know? Um, I don't have that. I'm, I'm solo. So anybody I work with, like in the business, on the product, on the website and stuff, like those are people that I hire to work with me. So um, I'm, I'm still, after all these years, I'm still trying to figure out how to find really talented, really skilled people to work in a, in a collaborative way. You know, like still go off and do hours of like deep work, like come up with a mock-up or build a feature, but then come back to me and, and we'll we'll hash it out and I'll build part of it and I'll and I'll contribute half of the project and then I want your I want you to push back on my ideas and stuff like that. You know, I I'm still trying to figure that out in in, in development, in design, in marketing, in content, like um yeah, and, and, but then like not necessarily bringing someone on as like a full-time salary contributor. Like a lot of these don't don't require that that level of commitment, at least not yet. And you know, not looking for to bring on a business partner right now. It's just looking for really high caliber people to like collaborate with. I'm still trying to figure that out. You know, I don't know if we have an insight. On that. Yeah, I, trying I, I to wish figure I had it out a good as well. For that. <laughs> um, but I did see somebody on. Twitter, I think she's from Indie Indie Women, um, made like a job board for founders looking to kind of moonlight <laughs> with their profession. Um, that could like like those kind of people could maybe be the ones you're looking for because they would also be interested in kind of product and the business and like discussing things because that would be beneficial then for their startup. So instead of looking for kind of regular freelancers, that would be other founders that then are funding their SaaS by working on somebody else's uh, SaaS that has more funding. I, but I can't remember if I, yeah, I can find the link. I'll we'll put it in the description because um, I I can feel like now that I'm working on POW, I'm trying now to fund that through kind of like Gatsby consultancy slash training slash something because that is a skill I have that I can sell, and I know there's there is. Um, use for it or like people need it um so that i and that's can... a great space to be in like the Jamstack stuff like that that's awesome whenever i um start a new website uh it, it's all i i've abandoned wordpress like <laughs> I, I just go to Jamstack for sure yeah so then you can hire me right <laughs> to, do your, <laughs> to do your part oh this Jamstack is turning into work. a sales pitch <laughs> yeah no but um uh, no, but I think that could be that is an interesting approach because then you find those kind of people because I think what often is hard like if you think of more like the hourly approach kind of like they a lot of the lot of the the, um, the people working as freelancers like that aren't that interested in kind of like the business why or, or like why are we doing this or like what is the business outcome from what we're doing like they just want to like do 
like you say with agency they just want to like do the to the spec and like deliver yeah that like and... like deliver deliver the thing they were asked of and send the invoice and i i know that minimizes the talent and professionalism <laughs> a little bit of, of uh, of folks, there, there's some really great people out there. Um, but that that's also why I, I tend to prefer to structure it in like a flat retainer. You know, I, I don't like to, um, if, if they, if they need to bill hourly, that's fine. But, but generally I, I don't really like the hourly billing model. I, I'd rather it be a little bit more like, let's just agree a couple thousand dollars a month and we're working together for like two or three days a week, roughly, you know, and like whatever, like what, whatever we need to work on, that's when we fit it in. And mm -hmm. that that's worked well at, at times, but you know, it's just about finding like the right person to have that, uh, that, that work relationship with, you know? I, I think the reason it's so, that's so hard to find and so hard to get right is that, and it's, I mean, speaking as someone who's freelanced for years now, is that you know the the value for the business owner to outsource something is that it's less expensive than a full-time employee or maybe we're not ready for a full-time employee and so it's like you know a you know it's a budget consideration for the for the freelancer um you know there's no skin i, I don't have any skin in the game for your business and so i'm I, yeah. my I've got, there's there's just this natural ceiling of yeah I'm going to bring my best foot forward and I'm going to like deliver the best that I can and try as much as I can to to like have a sense of ownership and a desire for that yeah you know you're but right ultimately like, that, like that's definitely my one of the business is my business ought to be and is the the priority yeah. You know, and so especially like even even on a it's it's amazing that you prefer retainers because all freelancers, I think anyway, um, prefer retainer over over hourly. It's such a it's a much better way to work. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. But there's still just like that there's a fundamental misalignment in terms of ownership and upside well, skin. Well, I, I do think that freelancers in general should be more open to that idea of of offering themselves as a as a retainer um you know uh like i mean truly if you're like an independent person because there's forever we we've heard like uh people sort of educating freelancers on how to how to how to bill your rate how to raise your rate how to charge and and structure and, and all that and like get invoices paid and stuff like that and of course there's terrible clients out there you know i I don't think that I'm one of them, <laughs> um, but like uh, I, I think I think when you get to a certain point in, in your because I have worked with some really talented uh, freelancers in this sort of retainer capacity where they're like they've been around a few years, they know what types of clients are really great to work with, and they just seek them out, and if they can stack on a couple of those on a, on a retainer basis, you know. Um, but you're right, Brian. I mean, it, it, there is still that dilemma of like, well, they're not really totally incentivized and, and it's not, and, and maybe if they were in like a full-time salary employment position, there could be like growth opportunities in the company and things like that. Um, uh, but you know, we're, we're bootstrapping a SAS from the ground up and that's, yeah, that's not exactly. always viable, you know? Yeah. I also have a feeling that, that those people know that they're worth a lot basically and then mm -hmm. 
it sometimes i mean there are certainly people out there that that do a lot of collaboration and stuff like that but i feel like the more they are collaborating and the more they're basically sharing their knowledge without just executing on something you you tell them to i think it gets really expensive really fast and that maybe it's even out of out of budget for for some of some of our small <laughs> higher uh, uh, contractor uh, tiny SaaS products, whatever. So yeah. um, that might be also a problem there. I also well, what, think- are, what are you all uh, working on these days? What what's new? Can, can, we, mastermind, can, can we mastermind on your stuff? <laughs> you want to talk more about our stuff? Wait, we do have yeah. a question from Twitter though, and then we can talk more all about right. our stuff. Um, what is one thing in any of our businesses that you wish you'd done sooner? This is coming from Daniel Motsoris on Twitter. That's a great question. Um, yeah, let's see. I wish I had a good answer for that. Um, well, for me personally, definitely the uh, learning full stack development. I waited way too long to do that. Um, you know, because I come from a background as a designer and front end person. So I, I started my career in HTML, CSS, uh, taking a, a PSD and getting it to work in IE6. Like that's, that, that's how old I am in, in this industry. And that, that was my first job. And, and that, that gave me like the, the identity of like, I'm a front end guy. And, and I got more and more into the design side of things over the years. But then um, it wasn't until 2018, um, you know, well into my career, like over 10 years into this career where I, decided like you know what i could i could stop being afraid of using the terminal and <laughs> databases and learn full stack um and i chose to to learn ruby on rails um and uh that that was the best decision um it, it was hard like I, I spent basically the year of 2018 spending like full-time hours audience hops was running i I paused some projects that I, where I was like outsourcing the development. Um, and I was, and I got frustrated with that. So I was like, I, I need to be able to take an idea and execute it full stack, start to finish and ship it myself. And so I, I spent that year doing courses, books, working with mentors and friends and learning to, to build in rails. And, uh, and then by the end of the year, I was able to ship a, a tiny SAS and I, and I've done a couple of them since. And, and, um, and I love learn and I'm still not, you know, uh, m- miles and miles behind you guys in, in terms of being able to, you know, as, as a developer or an engineer and I'm still learning, but, um, it's been really fun to understand how it all fits together. Uh, cause I, cause I could build basically any feature just really slowly and probably poorly. And then, but it really enables me to, to, um, to collaborate with developers much better you know, than I did before. So it's been impressive to, to watch you grow over the last three years or so, because I remember you announced that you're going to start back and developing. And I was like, Ooh, that's a, that's a big challenge, but <laughs> it was, it was nice to see you launch tiny product after tiny product. And with every iteration, be more ambitious. And now you're building zip message where like, I wouldn't know how to start uh, without some research. So, um, well, I think it's uh, pretty pretty impressive to see your progress there. 
It's been fun. I mean, Stack Overflow's traffic, like half of it must be me. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. yeah, I heard something. I just, um, you were asking what we were doing. I just uh, managed to finally send out like feedback requests for my summer functions program where I taught um, develop front-end developers how to create uh, serverless functions using Gatsby. Um, and I think one of, uh, or what, shown through was that a lot of them were saying that seeing me make mistakes and then fixing the mistakes live like gave them the confidence to go totally. ahead and try themselves so that whole like thing where i think when you're like a beginner you think that nobody else googles or nobody else like goes to stack overflow yeah. or whatever but it's what we all do we just everybody does i it. just feel yeah. like i can like sift through when I do a search, I can sift through and find like the nugget I need faster than I could, you know, a couple of years back. And yes. even, yeah, but it's still, it's still what I do a lot of the times when, because there's so much new stuff all the time. Like you can't have it all in your head. You need to be able to research and, and look for answers. So, but that was really nice feedback to um, get that they kind of like, they got the courage that they could also go out and, and try to make backend stuff, I guess, which is like- Yeah, uh, for sure. I, I mean, I've always been a big believer in learning by building, learning by doing and breaking stuff and running into the problem three or four times until it finally clip, clicks, you know? I think was, what's interesting about your answer on that is, I mean, for you specifically, it was Rails, it was backend development, but abstractly it was identifying where in this chain of concept to development to deployment to selling are you like fundamentally unable to complete it and then you and you patched that gap it's making yeah. it makes me feel like i'm you know just sitting here thinking through okay where where's jtbd.app really falling off and it's like in marketing communications like yeah if i were to give your answer to me <laughs> it is oh yeah i don't really know how to market I don't, well, the, not... the funny thing is, <laughs> the the more I learned development, I think the worse I became at marketing. <laughs> that is a little encouraging to okay. hear, though. <laughs> like I, I actually, like I actually think that that's true. Um, <laughs> so I guess well, I think why, because of why the, though? Yeah. Uh, years ago, like when I was starting up Audience Ops and when I was launching the productized course, so we're talking about like 2014, 15, 16, I was fully uh front-end designer and like business builder person so i dove into the marketing side of things and and i was trying a SaaS I, back then i was trying to build a SaaS called ops calendar which i i spent a lot of money on outsourcing development and ultimately failed um, and shut it down um uh and that was um and anyway, like back then, like I, I felt like I was pretty good with like content marketing and and uh, social media and and different stuff like that. But now, like I, I have the experience of like hacking with with SEO and content and and ads here and there and things like that. But I don't enjoy it. Like now, I I just like I said, I, I really love the software building process and and I love the the idea of talking to customers. I still enjoy that side of it and. I don't consider myself a salesperson, but I do love having calls with customers and learning from them. Um, and um, 
so like the the customer development and product building to to fill those customer needs i love that loop but then all the other stuff of like analyzing seo keyword research opportunities and google analytics and funnels and pay-per-click and whatever else and, and then like tracking it over months and i i just can't keep it i i can't stay consistent with that kind of stuff and and it and i don't get energy from from that doing that day to day you know it's like so that that's where th today i've i've learned like okay i i do need to outsource that stuff because it's not fun for me i'm i'm really not very good at it um there are people who who do live and breathe that kind of marketing work so if i can just collaborate with them and then they they handle most of the legwork that that's the ideal so that i could focus on the product um yeah so, like, so do I you feel like like i used to like Five, 10 years ago, I, I was doing it all, like always trying to do it all. And now I, I've dabbled in everything and I know enough <laughs> where, where it's like, I just don't, there's a bunch of stuff I just don't want to be doing. So I need to be able to hire people for that. But do you think that's because you become a backend developer or just because you are older and wiser and want to focus more? Uh, probably both. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get into backend, folks. You'll stop marketing. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering if it's related to the quicker feedback loop that you get from. I mean, what you're saying there is basically talking to customers, hearing about their problems, building a solution for that, and getting the reaffirmation that this is the right thing. It solves them, make make them happy. That's a very tight feedback loop that you can yeah. execute on very quickly within days or weeks. Whereas the SEO and marketing in general it always feels like you do something and then maybe half a year later, you know that yeah. it didn't work or it did work. Yeah, so exactly right. I mean, that's yeah. that to me is the most frustrating thing about marketing is that you, there, there's just, there isn't instant feedback. Um, and marketing is harder than ever. Um, and uh, yeah. there isn't the build this thing and, loads of traffic and trials will, will come in the door next month. Like it, it's, it's not that anymore. It, it's, you literally just have to stack up lots and lots of different activities and ultimately it, the mm -hmm. thing grows. Like that's sort of how it works, I think. <laughs> that's in one part uh, reassuring and uh, yeah, making me feel better, but also making me feel worse because <laughs> that's not, that's obviously not a silver bullet there. <laughs> yeah. Just keep stacking keep stacking uh slow and steady you know keep yeah, at it slow and steady you guys uh, nailed the, the branding you know nailed the branding there <laughs> yes and i think that's it for today that's what we have time for any parting comments or comment well i'm i'm a fan of of all of you and and i love following along i love podcasts like this uh to hear what people are working on i i always think it's like boring to most of the world but to us like this is yeah. this is the fuel to just hear yeah. hear what we're working on you know yeah cool well thanks so much for for joining us um big fan of your work and uh keep doing what you're doing thanks man. yeah yeah thanks folks Absolutely. See Bye. You next week. Yeah. i don't know how what do you, <laughs> we say <laughs> anyway until next week bye 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 bye, bye.